a new Lincoln with all of its class. I like a martini and bird on the glass. I'm gonna start living. You wait and see. Nothing but the best is good enough for me. Oh, uh, yeah, nothing but the best is good for you. Our listeners, this is Frankly Drinking. I'm your host, Lawrence, and this over here is Luke. And we each week bring you three Sinatra songs and two whiskeys. It's Frankly Drinking, just like Frank liked his Jack. Three cubes, two fingers, every. I said weekly, but you know. Right. Whenever you want to tune in and listen to this, you can. Right. You want to listen to part of it on the way to work? Part of it on the way home? Yeah. You can do that. Unless you have an Atlanta commute, and then you can definitely fit the whole thing. That's right. In your first commute. And you just don't want to be drinking while you're doing it. No, no, no. No. We do not recommend that. No, just franking. No drinking. (laughs) Leave the drinking to us, and you drive. Or just pour a dram when you get home and right. listen to the show. I'm sure you can listen on to to this on your smart speaker. That's what they're calling them these days, the smart speakers. Okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this week, uh, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not feeling uh, I'm not feeling that good. What? Yeah, I'm not feeling. You're that kidding good. me. No, I'm I I am in the mood. For a different type of Frank experience. Oh, oh, now, now I yeah. get where you're headed with this. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I, I feel like uh, that that big opening number was not representative of where, where I am at emotionally. I don't know why. Well, you know, the great thing about Frank is that he recorded so many different kinds of uh, songs over the course of his career. And in fact, some songs... He could change the entire meaning of them by the orchestration and how quickly they were played or uh, the orchestration around them. So he could have a song that that was, uh, you know, an up-tempo, fast, fun song that then would be re-recorded some years later. And the lyric was kind of sad. And so... You know, there's a lot of versatility in Frank's music. I mean, do you think that that's why it's a little more universal in appeal? Or did he just, was he just recycling material to to try a different take on it? Well, first of all, you're starting with some of the greatest songs ever written by the greatest songwriters um, of the 20th century. Uh, You know, he pulled songs uh, from that, uh, from Broadway, from the, um, you know, from from all over, from shows, um, from films, and people wrote songs for him too later. But he he pulled from what we now call the Great American Songbook, and there's a reason why they call it great um, because there's so many great songs yeah. in it. And and Frank Frank recorded a lot of them, and he made them. A number of them he made great himself. Well, uh, I was watching, I just saw the uh, Quincy documentary about Quincy Jones. Ah, okay. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's on Netflix. Okay. Can I, I'm going to tout Netflix. 
Netflix, watch it. Yeah. Watch yeah. it on Netflix. And uh, if they're looking for some extra exposure, you know, yeah. a sponsor, we, you know, sure. we'll, we'll take your call, or Netflix. Or they, they want to make a documentary about us. <laughs> uh, so I was watching Quincy, uh, and it's just called Quincy. Mm -hmm. And it, it's pretty incredible. I mean, there's impossible to think about making a documentary about somebody's life that long. But speaking, you're talking about great. I mean, Quincy, Quincy Jones is amazing. Right. He's absolutely amazing. Right. And that old footage of him with Frank, uh, you know, he became Frank's arranger for a good chunk of his, um, the high point of his, his career. A lot of people say, right, you know, he turned 50 about the same time. Right. And he's just, you know, he's top of his game. He, he worked with him um, most prominently, I would say, on the uh, live album Sinatra at the Sands. And when... Frank introduces everybody. He says, um, I want to introduce you to one of the, you know, great young artists in the recording industry today, Mr. Quincy Jones. And Quincy Jones was what? I mean, 20, he was in his late 20s, I yeah, think. Yeah, late 20s, probably. I, it was, yeah, very young. And He's real thin. He looks like a stick, you know. Yeah. He's so skinny. Frank always called him Q. Right. Yeah. That was Which it. It's still stock. I mean, they still call it. Q, Q, not Quartermaster Q from James Bond, <laughs> but the, the, the producer extraordinaire who supplied the ammunition and the, the bag of tricks for some amazing artists. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really great documentary and um, it really just shows how impactful he was and the fact that he's still alive and he's still producing things. He's still making things happen and he's 80, he's got to be 83 or 84 now. Right. This came out in 2018. And and just one other high note for yes. Quincy Jones. I mean, he he produced Thriller. Right. I which mean, is which the, is covered in this the, in, in detail. Massive well, he massive made, Michael Jackson. He he made Michael Jackson hit. a hit Album. a hit maker, you know. And did he also produce Off the Wall? He did. That was the first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He he produced great, The great. Wiz. Okay. Yeah. Quincy Jones is in The Wiz. He's in the Wiz. Yeah, he's playing the piano in the big gold, uh, oh. golden dance sequence at the base of the Twin Towers. Um, okay. Yeah. Do they ever? Do they show him, or yes. is he just in the background? Did, no, he turns around. Close up. Yeah, he turns okay. around, smiles at the camera. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. And he just just see the documentary. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it for listeners and yourself, but it's 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 worth watching. Will do. And Will Rashida do. Jones directed it. Okay. So it's a very personal. Close look at the family. His his daughter, if you didn't right. know that. Yeah. The uh, the office star star of the office and other many other shows and movies, Rashida Jones. So also speaking of great, mm. uh, I have selected a whiskey for our whiskey portion of the show. Yes. Uh, from the great old, old, old distillery of Old Fitzgerald. <sighs> Ah. And I have selected Old Fitzgerald Prime, which, if anyone's rolling their eyes right now at that selection, <laughs> I don't blame you. However, I think that uh, what is considered sometimes a bottom shelf whiskey that you would walk in and find on the bottom shelf is actually pretty, pretty spectacular. Uh, it's basically Old Fitzgerald dates back to 1870. So another old distillery. Okay, okay. But again, it got, just like any of these things, it got passed 
around and bought out by different companies over the years. But, you know, the fact is that Old Fitzgerald, the brand uh-huh. that it became and the, and the design of the label and everything, it's still intact to this day. It's been passed around, but it's still intact. Um, you can you can basically find new bottles of Old Fitzgerald that are age dated that are being produced by Heaven Hill because Heaven Hill now owns them. Okay, that was my question. Yes. I thought it was a Heaven Hill brand. It is today. a Heaven Hill brand. Okay, and the Old Fitzgerald Prime is not easily found on shelves. Uh, I know that we don't have it here in the state, but basically uh, Kentucky, I think the Carolinas. There's there's a couple you know other states that have it it has been rebranded or re-marketed as okay. larceny so larceny bourbon is roughly the same proof might be 86 i'm not sure i don't mm. think i have a bottle around so here. Wait, this is a Bar. weeded this is a weeded product so this is a weeded product and so it was not a weeded product uh for years okay and in 1936 it was uh, reopened on Derby Day. After after Prohibition, okay. Yeah, on With Derby the repeal Day of Prohibition. Before before that, it was sold to uh, a family, and that family opened up the uh, distillery on Derby Day, nineteen thirty six. That family is the Van Winkle family. So hmm. Happy Van Winkle. Mm-hmm. Reopened the distillery as the Stutzelweller Distillery in Louisville, 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 right? In 1936, on Derby Day, and introduced a whisper of wheat. So he introduced wheat to the grain of the mash bill, and thus Old Fitzgerald, as we know it, became a weeded bourbon. Now, uh, again, bourbon, 51% corn in the mash bill, right? In order to be a bourbon. And then the as the dominant grain, and then the other dominant grain in a weeded bourbon is probably wheat. Mm-hmm. The mash bills are sometimes locked up in under lock and key, so no one actually knows those mash bills except for people who disclose them. Right. Some distilleries. So we're gonna have one of the great whiskeys. This is uh, 80 proof, bottom shelf, bottom of the barrel, the lowest Fitzgerald on the run. Uh, oh, I got a glass. Oh man, a glass handle of this stuff. The noise it's making. I mean, my gosh. There you go. Whoa. Thank you. All right. And now, Larry. Um, so this was. We went to Stitzel to the to the old Stitzel Weller Distillery yeah, the in Louisville. Yeah. Which, interestingly. Um, it, it was closed for some years. It was closed in 1992. Okay. And eventually, uh, it was purchased, um, by Bullet, uh, which is, of course, is part of Diageo. Yes, Diageo purchased. And, and Bullet, uh, Bullet owns that location. And now that old Stitzel Weller distillery, you can visit it. It's the home of Bullet Bourbon today. That's right. Um, well, I'm not sure what's made there that they can tell you, but uh, it was definitely sold by Diageo to Heaven Hill um, after 92 uh, at some point. So basically, uh, the, the... You mean ma- Heaven Hill... You mean Heaven Hill sold the Stitzel Weller Distillery to Bullet? 
Uh, to Diageo slash Bullet. I'm, again, I'm hate, there's better people to talk about the order of things here, but basically, uh, yes. I'm not sure if Heaven Hill sold it to them or someone else, but... Yeah, okay. Just, just, yeah, just, anyway, Google, just Google that. Anyway, just Google that. Yeah, Google yeah, that. Again. And go to go to Louisville and see it for yourself. Yeah, go, you know? it's a one... It's a great... You know, it, there's, there's great, great tour. tours up there. Great tour. great tours up there. Great tour. Uh, yeah, I, I don't profess to be an expert on... On whiskey, I just know a little bit about it. Uh, Luke knows a little bit about Sinatra. Um, why don't you introduce our first track? Well, um, for our first track tonight, I um, I chose a, a fantastic song, which actually um, it, it's it's called "They Can't Take That Away From Me," uh, written by George and Ira Gershwin. Uh, in 1937, it, w- it debuted actually in a film featuring Fred Astaire um, uh, called Shall We Dance? And Sinatra recorded the most famous version of this uh, song uh, for Capital for uh, Songs for Young Lovers, for the Songs for Lo- Young Lovers LP. But What year was that? Uh, in the 50s. I don't have it in front okay, of me. sure. But then by 1962, when he recorded this album, uh, which was orchestrated by Neil Hefty, um, Neil Hefty arranged a couple of Sinatra albums, including uh, this record, which is Sinatra and the Swing and Brass, and he also did the first team-up between Count Basie and uh, Sinatra. He also orchestrated that. So that's an amazing album as well. I'm sure we'll play something from that. Um, and uh, I think it's just interesting because of the great and hefty orchestration and um, the performance by Frank. And just um, if you're wondering who Neil, Neil Hefty was, Hefty was the man who wrote the Batman theme song from the 1960s television show. Uh, oh, really? You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. want me to sing that? No, everyone. No, 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 no. Batman. Batman. Yeah. Well, so he did that. I okay. He did that. He he wrote it. He wrote that. But the orchestration was Riddle. Uh no 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 no. Uh, Hefty wrote that song. He didn't. He didn't write this song, but he did the orchestration. Hefty did the orchestration for this entire album. Okay. He orchestrated but, but, but this whole for album. Batman, but, for Batman, he wrote it. But who was the orchestration on that? I have no idea. Did oh. Riddle do the... I think Riddle did it. Riddle did the orchestration. Maybe? We'll, I don't know. We'll Google that yeah, while we'll, this is playing. We're going to Google that while this is playing. Um, here we go. They can't take that away from me. The way you wear your hat The way you sip your tea memory of all that no no they can't take that away from me the way your smile just beams the way you sing off key the way you haunt my dreams no no they can't take that away Oh man, I tell you one thing that can't take away from me. 
this old Fitzgerald Prime. <laughs> don't even, don't even think about. It. Don't Taking... take my, don't take my old Fitz from me, man. No, no, no. I'm way. a big, I'm a big old Fitz fan, and um, I gotta tell you, like anybody who who wants to say I don't drink, you know, bottles that are cheap liquor, you know, or just taste cheap. You know, anybody who who's not even a bourbon aficionado or a whiskey snob, it you know, look, buy a decanter, buy a cheap decanter, yeah, and take half that bottle, yeah, whether it be old Fitz, whether it be Larceny even, and put that in a decanter and let it air out. Don't fill the decanter up. Put it halfway, just let it sit there for right. you know, just nip off of it. Yeah. Just Always leave some air in there, and you're going to get the same kind of flavor. It's really good. I I, yeah. I I think it's great. I agree. I think this is a this is a good, inexpensive bourbon. It's it's got a lot of value for the money, and I mean it, it's it's a perfect example of what you call not bottom shelf, but forgotten shelf. Yeah, I, th- I think it's... Overlooked shelf. Well, you, know? you, you can't find it. I mean, you show old-timers the old Fitz label, and they go, oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I totally remember that. My girlfriend's father was was like, oh, yeah, I totally remember seeing that. <laughs> you know, But he drinks Jim Beam. So, you know, uh, and so $14.99 for a seven fifty of this stuff. So anyway, back to the... Back to the tr- the wonderful track. I was a little sidetracked there. Yes. By the by the w- excellent whiskey there. Um, Sinatra and Swinging Brass. Uh, they can't take that away from me. I mean, how is that not just like a top twenty effort there? I mean, that's a. It's a great recording. It's a great this, recording. This whole album, here, if you we have it on vinyl here. We're yeah, if the cover around. If you, um, it's it's just a great album. It's nice. Um, it's distinctive. It it has a really great and interesting sound that was so of the moment in 1962. And Hefty and Sinatra just do a great job of representing the era, um, just making a great record all around. There's I could have picked five or six different tracks from this record to to show and it's a good looking record too i mean the the, i don't know who who did this artwork because it's a painting Uh, of frank and there's like an accent of blue in his eyes mm, it looks like uh i didn't look that up but i know it's an artist that frank liked and i think he had him paint uh portraits later but hey um you can also google that yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i mean you know i've got it right here I've got the record right here, so we might as well take a sip of Old Fitz Prime and uh, actually open it. Are we going to open a record on on open, the show? Open a record on the show? I mean, I guess, sure. All right, let's let's get into that. Let's get, just, yeah, let's just get into that. I mean, what are we waiting for? Let's see. Are there any credits? I don't. I don't know. There's a Lawrence Stewart. Is uh, is he credited with the album cover? Yeah, uh, no, he's he's got the liner notes, mm. Lawrence Stewart. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. There's there's it's not like today's uh, you know albums where they got to credit everybody. Well, it's a great and a unique release, and uh, it goes it pairs nicely. Since we're talking about pairings, sometimes when you talk about bourbon, you talk about pairings. 
it does pair very nicely with the uh, the the bassy Sinatra record, the first one, um, which which I as I said, Hefty also did the arrangements for. Right, man, that's uh, that whiskey is giving me a warm Kentucky hug. <laughs> Just right, right in the in the gut in the gut, you know. Like that song, it's warm. It's uh, it's it's just you know, it's just happy. Yeah, it's got it's got some punch. I mean, I started this episode <laughs> not feeling uh, you know, up, mm. up, you know, mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, I'm getting the Kentucky hug. I got some swinging brass in my system. <laughs> and now you're gonna have to. Uh, are we going to another song here? We're gonna go to another song. Okay. Uh, we're gonna take a little bit of break. Um, but I'm just going to let this song speak for itself as we go to break. I don't think you know what I'm going to play. Okay. And then, uh, we'll come back and talk about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. Okay. Okay. drinking i'm your host lawrence and i'm luke and uh that is frank sinatra a man alone and uh i i I guess i guess what it is is i just i'm a big sucker when it comes to frank sinatra for the torch song Mm -hmm. uh for the ballads and the torch songs i mean i i love the the brass i love all this stuff i think it's interesting that you chose that song and I chose this song in this episode because it's really the contrast of right. flavors. But this song, um, without going into much background on it, this, this song has a special place in my heart because this is the first Sinatra album I purchased on vinyl record. Huh? I bought it because I was single. I was living alone in this, uh, apartment it was in a school building and <laughs> i was living near some record stores so i would i would dig for some records and i saw the cover and i saw the title and it just looked you know he, he looks so here i'll pull it up he he looks he just looks so sad 
<laughs> you know, he looks so sad on the cover of this record. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. I just bought it. it he's happier on the back, but he just looks so cool too. Yeah. Oh yeah, Frank just looks great. He's older. This is an older. This is from the reprise. Right. Years. Uh, Nineteen sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine. So this yes. this album's uh, fifty years old. Right. This came out the same year as a man or uh, my way. Right. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Which, which we um, talked about on the previous edition yeah. of the podcast. And I and I don't know if it was his custom at that time. I'm sorry. I'm going to go geek out on printing material. But basically, the the <laughs> the back is matte. And the front is shiny. So I know there are a lot of Serge Gainsbourg records that are like this and other records that are like this where there's a shiny mm. thing on the front. I don't know if that was an industry thing. I don't know. It just made it all the more interesting to me um, as a record. Just everything about it. It just, it really, I was, you know, again, I was single. I was, I was drinking. I was probably drinking beers back then. I was probably <laughs> drinking um a beer where I'd have like a Knob Creek or a Woodford, uh-huh. Woodford Reserve. Yeah. I remember that was yeah. kind of what I was drinking, but, uh, I think it's great. I, th- I love this song. I love this album. It's not the typical Frank record. And, and maybe that's why I like these later albums was because he was risk. He was taking chances. He was taking risks that I think artistically paid off. Well, I think you can, one of the things you hear in this is the versatility uh, of Frank Sinatra as an artist, the versatility to go from different styles and certainly this more, you know, introspective style and tremendous, tremendous vocal control and exactitude in delivery on this, on this record, um, this recording that we just heard. Um, interestingly enough, this album um, which was which is titled A Man Alone. This was the title track that we're talking about. The entire record um, was written by Rod McEwen. And it says that on the cover. It says uh, Frank Sinatra, A Man Alone, and other songs of Rod McEwen. Right. And to me, that like when I saw that, that doesn't mean a lot to me um, as yeah. someone you know who was born around the time that this record came out. But I, you know, I, but I understand that Rod McEwen was tremendously popular poet in the 1960s, sold a lot of books of poetry, and he went on to, he also at the same time wrote more than 1,500 songs, including songs that sold more than 100 million records. So... I mean, wait, Rod Mc, well, oh, Rod McEwen as a songwriter because I, I went to his right. greatest hits. I went to his greatest hits, and I didn't recognize any song from of his except for this one, of course, "A Man Alone." Yeah, so I mean, obviously, other people's songs didn't make it on his greatest hits, but it's pretty fascinating. Oh, you're talking about Sinatra? No, I'm talking about Rod McEwen. Rod McEwen, right? You know, yes. Well, he, <laughs> apparently incredibly successful as a poet. Sinatra really um, just, I think he was very taken with him. He must have read his poetry, must have seen some of his other songs or, um, you know, heard some of his other songs. And he really, Sinatra commissioned uh, Rod McEwen to put together a set of songs for an album uh, by, by Frank Sinatra. So those, those, were, those were written... 
um, for Frank. Yeah, because and, well, he also does. He also does poetry on this. Like he will kind of speak sing right some of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's this. I know a couple of tracks are spoken yeah. word. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to this late at night. I mean, this was like something I listened to. You know. Uh, after a few drinks or just on my own, I would just put it on. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a late night album for me. Yeah. it's It's got that vibe. It's, you know, it's even the photography's black and white in the back. It's it's definitely kind of this nocturnal kind of thing that um, I was writing, you know, during during the listening mm-hmm. of this record. I was writing on my computer or I was, I wasn't watching a lot of TV then. I was, I don't think I even had a TV. <laughs> I think I had a DVD player. Those yeah. first came out, but basically, this was like 1998, and again, I didn't know much of the discography or catalog of Sinatra. I thought this fit right into the the heart of everything. I didn't know. No, it's it's definitely a unique release, and um, but when you have Sinatra painting the picture for you with the words of Rod McEwen, you don't need a TV. No, you don't you need just, a TV. You just you just need the record. You just look out the window at the trembling. Trees, you know, but yeah, the, definitely the wordplay, definitely some of the, the writing is definitely more poetic. I noticed that compared to other albums, but I, I think, I think this is a strong, just like old fits. See, I bring it around okay. to what I know a little of, uh, just like old fits. It's a strong contender. It's a, it's a great sleeper forgotten Whiskey. Underrated, maybe. And this record maybe, is the same. Maybe it's underrated. Yeah, this record's the same, mm. uh, mm-hmm. the same for me. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it deserves a listen. And um the Sinatra fans, you know, the ones who are true fans, I'm sure that they would agree with me. They're, they're, <laughs> they're rooting for me right now. <laughs> Plus it kind of brings you down, it makes you feel sad. If you're single, you know, you're just like, oh, hey, I'm a man alone. <laughs> but if you're if you're already down. Maybe maybe yeah. try something a little more upbeat. Frank's Frank's yeah. got you covered there. Or listen to this and not drink. You can't drink and <laughs> listen to this. Okay, it's hard to review uh, whiskeys in general. I mean, again, we, our, our scale is different. Like, how many cubes of ice right. would you add to make it tolerable? To make it drinkable? Palatable? I mean, usually I would just dump it out. Okay, right. but if you're gonna put cubes in a drink to make it tolerable, that's the worst whiskey. Again, no ice. Top of the charts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. off the chain. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, most people drink neat, but I'm just saying from a scale standpoint. Right. 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 So just to reiterate, low is good, high is bad. Like a like a golf game. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. Where, where would you, what do you think, where would you put this? Um, Old Fitz Prime, 80 proof. I mean. $14.99. There's a, I mean, come on, there's value added right there. I mean, I, I like this whiskey. I, <laughs> But I might, I might put a couple cubes in it. I mean, I, we're drinking it neat right hmm. now, and it's it's quite, it's quite good. Does that call for the cubes? Um, <laughs> here, here, there you go. You got those tongs. You got some tongs. We, we run a sanitary ship here, folks. Yeah, you're gonna do. Oh, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with two. I think. I think he's made a mistake, folks. That's four. He thinks it's two. Well, they were really small. So I only wanted two, but... Does that make it better? 
Actually, I'm... No, I like it neat. Yeah. Neat was better. It's pretty good neat, right? Neat, neat is better. Look, I'm, this is controversial. But what are you going to do? I'm going to say it does not need any cubes. It's actually no cubes on this one. So this gets your highest rating? Well, I mean, there's other... Like a Pappy would get right. this too. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put Old Fitzgerald up there. Okay. I, look, you. Th- there's nothing wrong with that. No. Especially if you're drinking it neat. I think I'm going to get rid of these cubes. Yeah, don't... Yeah, you don't need those cubes. I mean, I mean, seriously, that... That was a mistake. Look, it's not for everybody, but just don't knock the little bottom shelf guys. Especially with a brand history like this, has a label like that. It can't go wrong. Right. You, you're not going to get pappy. You're not going to get these expensive bottles. No. You know, enough is enough. Bourbon's out of control. Stop the insanity. Buy the stuff that you can get right. and drink it. And every every podcast is going to tell you that about whiskey. This is more for people who like Frank Sinatra and music and drinking. I, I'm just telling you, like, yeah. stop paying $60, $70 for a bottle of something that only costs 25 No offense to the store owner who's doing that, marking those prices up, but you can go in any day of the week in Kentucky and other states for $14.99 and buy something that's pretty decent. Right. It's not going to, you know, be barrel strength and it's not going to be coveted, but it's delicious. Okay, well, um, it's the time of the show where we pour from a bottle, one of our hundreds of bottles here at the bar, uh, of Jack Daniels, Frank's favorite. And this episode selection is actually a rarity. I know I just gave a big speech about not buying uh, (laughs) the expensive stuff. Uh, Don't go out of your way to buy one of these. Because it is just Jack Daniels, okay? Mm. But just uh, just Jack Daniels. That's like saying it's just sunshine. Well, it's you know, not it's just air. It's just water. In context, it's uh, not it's uh, not Weller twelve year. Understand? Or okay. Legal. Okay. Uh, this is a Jack Daniels single barrel product. Means coming from one barrel. Mm. It's a special release from last year. It's the Heritage Barrel, and I think that. This stuff is fantastic. It It is the best Jack Daniels you're going to taste. Really? Um, yes. Unless you go ahead and splurge on a Sinatra Century or a mm. Sinatra Select. Mm. Sinatra Select will run you about $145, but they put grooves in the barrel and char the barrel a certain way so that it has a lot more richness and flavor, okay? Now, this Heritage Barrel, I'm not sure if they're doing the same thing, but it's fantastic, Mm. okay? Just absolutely fantastic. Um, What's the retail on this? um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's more expensive than a a single barrel product or about the same as as the Jack Daniels single barrel. But, yeah, oh, I see by the look on Luke's face. That has a... Cheers. Tendon. Yeah. That is a really, that's a really good flavor. Very robust, very, very full, nice sweetness to it. Um, definitely has the the Jack Daniels yeah. signature oh, notes. Crim- Bananas Foster. Mm-hmm. Just great, great. Oh, it's so good. It really is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if they've ever made a better product. And, and 
the old stuff tastes really good. This is just, this is kind of knock your socks off good. Yeah, yeah. I have to say. If I'm grading this, I'm going I'm going definitely zero cubes on this one. Oh, absolutely zero cubes. Maybe negative cubes. We don't even, we're, this is we're not so even good. grading. Right, no, we don't even grade these. We, we don't even grade these. But, but it's, it's just so good. Just throwing that in there. Just yeah. a little added value. Yeah, d don't give this to anybody who thinks that they mix Jack. Mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That it's supposed to be mixed. Mm -mm. You got to give this to somebody who appreciates it because you would some never... people would just throw that with some Coke and. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I understand why Jack and Coke is a classic. And if you got some. Jack's not a bourbon. I, I know Tennessee whiskey. And I know why Jack and Coke is a classic because Jack and Coke tastes pretty good. I, I, I like I like Makers and Ginger Ale or Jack and Ginger. I, I hear you. I'm okay with that, too. But I'm just saying, if you've got any kind of really good, full-tasting Tennessee whiskey yes. or bourbon, right. just keep it away but, from your Coke and ginger ale. Please. We'll, we'll please. Save, yeah. We'll, we'll save this for another episode, because yeah. we're almost out of time. But, right. you know, Jack is really trying to make products that appeal to a certain demo, Right. They're making new products that are for sipping, not for mixing. Right. And maybe they always thought that of themselves, but I think they're taking extra steps, just like every distillery, every company is, to change things for the tasting and purchasing the consumer experience. Right. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have. And so uh, this week's uh, Discover Frank track I have picked it's, again, mm -hmm. surprise, surprise, from the same era. Oh, what is it, Larry? Uh, it is from Frank's late 60s pop music record. I can call it that. Uh, another <laughs> cover where Frank is looking very dejected and sad. Probably the saddest he's ever looked, other than no one cares. Uh, <laughs> he's holding the bridge of his nose in just such disgust. Anyway, it's from... It sound, that sounds like the cover of Cycles. It is, yes, it's the cover. It's Cycles. Uh. My, my track is Cycles. I don't know anything about this song. I just know that it's wonderful. And Luke's going to give us a few tidbits on... Well, I know. I mean, this is, the, this is the title track from the 1968 album Cycles. Um, it was written by Gail Caldwell and arranged by the longtime... Arranger um, and and friend of Frank Sinatra, Don Costa, did a lot of his later albums. Okay, and Costa um, did the honors here. Did Costa do a man alone? Yes, he did. Oh, okay. Yes, Costa did a man alone as well. Yeah, so I figured uh, we would put this on your radar if you haven't checked out uh, Cycles. It's a it's another great record to me. It means a lot to me. I picked it up probably the second or third record I bought mm, mm -hmm. uh, after Man Alone. And I think it's, I think it's a great record. I think it, um, I really like this late, late 60 stuff. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a few great, great tracks on cycles for sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, that's another episode of frankly drinking cheers to you and our audience at home. Cheers. Salud. Salud. Uh, so thank you for checking us out once again. Um, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on Apple Podcast or at the Google Podcast Store. And 
Enjoy these wonderful lyrics from Frank as we go away. Until next time, this is Frankly Drinking. Life is like the seasons After winter comes the spring So I'll keep this smile a while And see what tomorrow brings